right, how's everybody doing today? Good? Great to see you. Really glad to be here with you this morning. We've come to our final message in our series on Philippians. Can you believe that? It's been a series that we call The Joy of Knowing Jesus Christ. And we've been learning about how to have joy in every area of our life. So it's been pretty awesome. And uh, it's been cool to see how we've all grown in joy and peace this semester. Uh, but Paul's going to sign off this letter here at the very end with a huge thank you. We're going to see that. This Thursday is also Thanksgiving. I hope you're all ready for that. I, I thought it might be a good morning, though, to open up with some laughs, if you guys are okay with that, with uh, one of my favorite segments from The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon called Thank You Notes. Have any of you ever seen that before? Thank You Notes. Uh, yeah, I love it, right? It's just hilarious. Uh, if you're familiar with it, uh, Jimmy always has to ask for a little thank you note writing music and there's this dramatic music and he picks up his pen and he swoops it around and he begins writing a thank you note and uh, I thought I'd just share a few of the just Thanksgiving thank you notes. Uh, one of them, he said, thank you adding a leaf to the dining room table for making sure I'm not the only thing getting wider at Thanksgiving. I'm gonna need my stretchy pants. <laughs> on Thursday. Uh, another one, thank you cranberry sauce for looking like a can and also tasting weirdly like a can. I got to tell you, you got to lay it on its side and slice it up. You, then you don't notice that as much. I still love the cranberry sauce. Last one, thank you kids table at Thanksgiving dinner for seeming like a much better time than the adult table. I'm sitting here listening to Uncle Richie go on about the midterm elections, and I could be over there sticking carrots up my nose and getting big laughs. Those are some thank you notes from Jimmy Fallon. I'm sure they can be kind of silly and maybe even a little weird. I don't know. Um, I like them, but I also like the fact that somebody's taken the time to say thank you. And before we get into our message today, um, I personally want to take a moment on behalf, behalf of Angie and I, and just say thank you, a huge thank you to our church family, um, for all of you who blessed us for pastor appreciation, and we're just so grateful for our church family. We love you guys. We felt very cared for. We're overwhelmed by your love and encouragement, and uh, it's truly an honor to be here right where God's called us at Hope Community Church. So we just love you guys so much, and just want to say thank you. Thank you. So on the topic of thank you notes, we want to go to our text today, Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can op open up. And we're opening up this message, talking about thank you notes, because Paul ends the letter to Philippians with a long-awaited thank you note. You might remember, we learned earlier in this series, Paul is in prison in Rome, and while he's there, he receives a financial gift from a church in Philippi. That financial gift is brought to the Apostle Paul by a member of the church named Epaphroditus. He's one of my heroes. Remember Epaphroditus? He walked 740 miles from Philippi to Rome to bring Paul this gift. That's like walking from Philadelphia to Chicago. It took four to seven weeks. That's why he's one of my heroes. Epaphroditus gets sick on his way to delivering this gift to Paul. He almost dies, but eventually he makes it. 
He gives Paul the gift. It was a much-needed gift. Paul writes the letter that we're studying today. He hands it to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus now has to go all the way back to Philippi, those 740 miles. He makes the journey. He reads the letter to the church. They hear Paul say, thank you. It makes its way to our New Testament and then is studied by us in the fall of 2022. How amazing is that? You can't make this up. It's pretty incredible. We've learned in, in this letter, because Paul is writing from prison, and we've heard how joyfully he writes. We're learning how to find joy in everything, every circumstance, every area of our life, despite what might be going in our life, because joy doesn't depend on circumstances. It didn't for Paul, and it doesn't for us as believers in Jesus. Our joy is in the Lord. Our, our theme verse for Philippians has been Philippians 4.4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There's a great joy in knowing Jesus Christ. Despite our circumstances, despite what's going on in our life, our joy is in the Lord. We can also experience God's peace always. We looked at Philippians 4, 6, and 7 last week. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And what a couple of great scriptures worth meditating on and memorizing. We're learning about an always joy and peace we can experience through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've talked about many areas of our life. We've talked about our relationships. We've talked about uh, our attitude towards life. We've talked about difficult circumstances. We've, we've talked about, uh, man, putting our faith in Jesus. We've talked about what happens after we die in this series. But there's one area we've really yet to touch on significantly, and that's our money. I thought I'd share a little cartoon I, I found this week. I love this. Baptize everything but the wallet, baby. You got a guy getting dunked. He's like holding the wallet out of the water. And I show that because I think it's funny. And also, we can't do that. Right? We can't not talk about money, especially with all the financial challenges so many of us are experiencing. I shared a new uh, study by the American Psychological Association. I shared this last week um, where... Anxiety is surging, and over 90%, about 90% of Americans report inflation-related anxiety. How are we going to pay the bills? How can we afford groceries? Um, we, we can't not talk about money with Christmas coming up. And make no mistake, I love giving gifts to my kids. I love seeing the smiles on their faces and sharing Christmas joy with everybody around me. But sometimes we're just uh, giving, uh, <laughs> we're buying gifts we don't need with money we don't have, for a happiness that won't last. We've got to talk about that today. We can't not talk about money. And I was thinking we're, we're here in a series on joy and peace. And uh, money absolutely affects our joy and peace. And sometimes I even spend money for a little joy and peace, as we all do. And Paul can't not talk about money either. He's writing this fourth chapter of Philippians to thank the church for their financial generosity to him. And he uses this opportunity to share his heart, to give us a window into his heart, and to show us a new, a new way of viewing money in the Lord. Uh, that's going to lead to joy and peace. 
I want to talk today about joy in everything. Nothing is excluded. A relationship with God transforms every area of our life, including our financial wants and needs. So how I have joy in the Lord, I have peace that passes understanding. How does that affect my financial life? We'll see two ways today. Contentment and generosity. Contentment and generosity. The joy of knowing Jesus Christ supplies ultimate contentment and it motivates exceptional generosity. I'll say that one more time. The joy of knowing Jesus supplies ultimate contentment and it motivates exceptional generosity. A new way of viewing money that can provide joy and peace. So check out Philippians 4, 10 through 23. Paul signs out with his thanks for this gift. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that, you, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, says Paul, for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those belong, who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. That's how this letter ends. Let's pray. We'll dive in. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this house. Thank you for how you are bringing us together as people of faith, as a spiritual house empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And we pray that you would be working in our hearts this morning to bring us ultimate contentment. Oh, we long for peace and joy in every area of our lives. So I pray today, God, that we would trust. We would trust in Jesus Christ for the full, rich provision of every area of our life, including the forgiveness of sins, which you've so amply given us in Jesus Christ and in his cross and resurrection. Would you speak to us this morning through your word? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're seeing how joy... Joy in the Lord is changing our lives. And, and a couple of things we pick up on in these closing verses. Number one, 
the joy of knowing Jesus supplies ultimate contentment. And uh, I was really encouraged by this uh, this week. Look how Paul sets this up in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So, so here Paul begins to express his gratitude. And of course, Paul had started this church in Philippi. Uh, there was a deep affection between the Philippian believers and Paul, and they would keep up on Paul's ministry. When they heard, though, that Paul was now a prisoner in Rome, the church got together and said, hey, guys, we got to do something. We have to help out Paul. And, uh, and, and they did help. Uh, commentator Gordon Fee explains, and I think this is helpful to understanding what this gift would have meant to Paul, who was in prison in Rome. Uh, Fee explains, he says, in a culture where prisoners were not cared for by the state, there were not three uh, hot meals a day, but whose necessities for life, especially food, had to be supplied by friends or relatives, uh, this is no small thing that they have done, the Philippians. The gift was necessary for him to sustain life in prison. So the church had enthusiastically responded to Paul's need. And he rejoices in the acknowledgement of this gift. But Paul also does something really important here. He qualifies this in a really interesting way. Because for Paul, you kind of heard it's not about the money. Um, he, he's, he actually says, not that I have any need. Well, <laughs> you kind of think, yeah, you, don't you need food, Paul? You know, some of those things. But he wants to absolutely correct any, any false impression or any false misunderstanding that he is in this for the money. He doesn't need money. He's not motivated by money. Um, I, maybe some churches could follow in Paul's example, right? He cares more about the givers than the gift. In fact, Paul says, I'm writing from a place of contentment, not discontent. Listen to verse 11. Here's his qualification. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Hey, don't misunderstand me saying thank you saying, I, I have all these needs and I, I just need your money. He's saying, no, 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 no. For me, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. How about you? Are you feeling content this morning? Are you happy? What would it take to make you happy? I do this thing when I drive and uh, I get to a parking lot, maybe at Walmart or the grocery store or wherever we happen to be shopping where I find a parking spot, and then I drive around one more time just to see if I can find a better parking spot. Anybody? See, she's smiling. She knows. Drives my wife crazy. I think life can be like that, where we're driving for contentment. We're searching for contentment. And when that money doesn't satisfy, when success or a relationship or the last thing we bought no longer satisfies, we, we sort of circle around one more time looking for something better. Just like driving through the parking lot, looking for that better spot. And yet, as we all know, it is, it is an endless cycle of discontent. What if we could, like my wife says, park the car and be in the store already? Paul's done that. Paul's not discontent. He's not thinking to himself, oh, if I only could get 
out of this imprisonment, if there were only some churches who would support me, if only... No. He's speaking from a place of ultimate contentment in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. No exceptions, all inclusive. That's the kind of contentment available to us today in Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, I know what it's like to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. If you read your New Testament, you actually read more about him being in need than having plenty. But he knew both experiences. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Unfortunately for us this morning, Paul not only tells us that he experiences this wonderful contentment, but he tells us how we can experience this ultimate contentment too. And he says, it is through Christ who gives me strength. The greatest joy in the world is found in knowing Jesus Christ. And nothing can take that away. When you have a joy in Jesus, it's yours. It's in him. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Christ Jesus himself becomes our true source of happiness and contentment. The joy of knowing Jesus supplies ultimate contentment. I like a story that Billy Graham tells in his autobiography, Just As I Am, called The Happiest Man on the Island. Billy says some years ago, Ruth and I had a vivid illustration of this on an island in the Caribbean. One of the wealthiest men in the world had asked us to come to his lavish home for lunch. He was 75 years old, and throughout the entire meal, he seemed close to tears. I'm the most miserable man in the world, he said. Out there is my yacht. Man, I'd like to be the most miserable man in the world. Gosh. Out there's my yacht. I can go anywhere I want to go. I have my private plane, my helicopters. Helicopters, like plural? Are you kidding? He said, I have everything I want to make my life happy, yet. In his words, I'm as miserable as hell. We all know famous people, wealthy people, who are completely miserable and dissatisfied with life. And here, Billy Graham got to eat lunch with one such person. And Billy Graham said we talked to him and prayed with him, trying to point him to Christ, who alone gives lasting meaning to life. Then he said, we went down the hill to a small cottage where we were staying. That afternoon, the pastor of the local Baptist church came to call. He was an Englishman. He, too, was 75 years old. A widower who spent most of his time taking care of his two invalid sisters. He was full of enthusiasm and love for Christ and others. I don't have two pounds to my name, he said with a smile, but I'm the happiest man on the island. Leaving the conversation, Graham asked his wife, so who do you think is the richer man? And she didn't need to respond because they knew. It was the man who had trusted in Jesus Christ. He had everything he needed. 
the richest man, the happiest man on the island. I tell this story today because joy beyond anything we could ever imagine is available to us today in Jesus. And maybe you've never received Christ into your life. You can do that right now. You've been created for a relationship with God. God loves you so much, He wants to be a part of your life. And yet the Bible also says sin has separated us from God. Where do you think this discontent comes for? Where do you think the longing comes for? We're searching for more. And that more is found in a God who loves us, who wants to be in our life, in our story. And the good news of the gospel is that God came to us in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who knew no sin, went to a cross to take our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven, so that we could receive a new life in Jesus Christ. God raised Jesus from the dead so that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord and believes in him can find joy and eternal relationship with God. God is in my life. What more could I need? Because out of his fullness, we've received grace upon grace. The richest man in the world, the happiest person in the world is the one who knows Jesus Christ. So first of all, let's believe it. And then second, let's grow in that joy, just like Paul did as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, finding our happiness in the Lord, learning the secret of contentment, drawing from that well of salvation. The joy of knowing Jesus supplies ultimate contentment. What else? Number two, the joy of knowing Jesus motivates exceptional generosity. And Paul praises this church in Philippi for their exceptional generosity. Verse 14 Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Churches poured out their love for Paul. They've supplied his needs. And, and Paul says, that was good of you to share in my troubles. He goes on to recall uh, the generosity of these believers through the years. Verse 15, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Now, Paul could never forget the early days of the church when he first showed up in Philippi on his second missionary journey. Paul began telling people about Jesus. He began proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's the gospel? That's just the good news of Jesus and how he saves us, how he rescues us. By giving his life for us on the cross. And some people began to believe. Almost instantaneously their response was generosity. We have the example of Lydia. Who in Acts 16, after believing in Jesus Christ, opens up her home to the work of Paul and Silas. Uh, they began proclaiming the gospel out of her house. A church would meet there for worship and fellowship. And it's almost like the whole church would come to take on Lydia's personality Be because this church became exceptionally generous. Uh, Paul says, no one shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. There was such a love between this church and Paul and, and, and they began giving to the work of the Lord. He, he would leave Philippi and uh, leave 
go on to leave Macedonia, stopping in Corinth. And of course, we have letters to the Corinthians, which actually mention the sacrificial giving of the Philippian believers to Paul while he's ministering in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 8.2 speaks of the Philippians in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy. I just love how even in Corinthians, Paul mentions the joy of the Philippians. That's been the theme here. So their joy is overflowing and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. So even though the church in Philippi was poor and the people in Corinth, there were some very wealthy people in Corinth, the Philippians still supported Paul's work and they supported the ministry. Back to Philippians 4, he says, even when, Paul, even when Paul was in Thessalonica, it says, they continued to help him too. The joy of knowing Jesus had motivated this exceptional generosity. And, and I just believe the same thing happens in our heart. When we trust in Jesus Christ, you know, one of the surest components of joy is generosity. I would even go on to say that it's, it's hard to be joyful if you're not also generous. Though Generosity and joy seem to go hand in hand. I can tell you right now, growing up, I didn't want to be generous. So we have some, uh, we have some, younger, uh, some younger folks here in the room today. When I was growing up, I, I didn't want to really share my money. I remember one time uh, I actually won a Captain Crunch contest for 100 bucks. That was like life-changing for me. I'd never seen 100 bucks, And I'll never forget my mom, uh, since my brother had also entered the contest, she's like, oh, you need to split that with your brother. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? I don't want to do that. You know, I was like, I was like the stingiest little kid you ever met. And, and there's just no joy in stinginess. I remember when I began to, to uh, really see the joy of generosity. Uh, one time, Angie and I were driving from Colorado to visit her grandparents in Nebraska. And our car broke down about an hour away from her grandparents' farm. Well, who shows up but Grandpa Pete? And Grandpa Pete inevitably would pull out a money clip, gold money clip I'll never forget, and it always had $100 bills just for him to give away to other people. He found so much joy in generosity. He took care of everything. He gave you know, faithfully to the church. And I, would just, I just thought, that's the kind of man that I want to be. There's such a joy in generosity, right? Joy overflows in generosity. And when it comes to giving, I've learned something over the years. I've learned that when it comes to giving, it's not about what God wants from me, but it's really about what God wants for me. And Paul makes this clarification in verse 17. Again, he, he says thank you and he qualifies it, right? Thank you, verse 17, but not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. It's not what I want for you. Excuse me, it's not what I want from you, says Paul. It's what I want for you. And he uses this banking imagery of, of money that is being invested and compounded. There is an increase. Uh, in other words, it's not the receiver getting the best of it, but the giver. Jesus said the same thing a different way when he said it's more blessed to what? Give, then receive, right? It's more blessed to give than receive. And sometimes I think I forget that, that, that the real blessing is for the giver even more than it is for the receiver. 
What kind of blessing is that? Oh, if I give, hey, sow your seed of faith. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the big hair preachers. Not about to do that today. Just sow that seed of faith and you'll be a millionaire and all. No, that's not the blessing we're talking about. You know what the blessing is sometimes? Seeing God change lives. Seeing God meet needs. Right? Seeing caring place where God transforms lives. And we get to be a part of that. Verse 18, Paul actually uses the language of worship. A lot of times it's just the joy and blessing of serving God. It's all for him. Verse 18, I've received full payment and I'm more than enough. I'm amply supplied. When Paul says that, I don't believe that's just financial. I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. This is the richness of what he's experiencing in the Lord. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you've sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. You don't have to be rich to give. You just need a heart that wants to worship and honor the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. And that's why I love this church. We have such a giving church. And you've met so many needs this year. I, I don't know if you know this, this year you gave $18,000 on Generosity Sunday so we can make some improvements to this facility so we can reach more people with the message of Jesus Christ. We've got, uh, maybe you've seen some updates, small ones with the doors and the bathrooms, but I'm telling you, we've got a renovated parking lot coming, so thank you for that. We're really excited um, for the way that you're meeting these needs in Christ Jesus, but we want to see more lives impacted. Just think about all the people over the years who've received hope and encouragement in this church family. And that's our passion. We want to reach more people. We want a youth ministry that can reach this high school. So I just want to ask you, church family, to, um, number one, to give and continue to give. Would you prayerfully give? Pray. Pray for this church. Pray that for this ministry. And number two, we trust God, that al- trust God to always provide. And I love that I get to stand up here today and and I just get to encourage this church to be generous and to give, not from a place of anxiety, but from a place of excitement about what God's doing in this house. It really is cool. But when we, we talk about money because God is our provider, so we don't have to be worried. That's Philippians 4.19. Paul says, my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that today? This is who our God is. He's our provider. He will provide. He always has. He always will. Because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And if you have any doubt about it, just look at the cross. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave. God gave his best. He gave exceptionally. He gave extravagantly. He gave his son So that whoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. We give because God has given more abundantly beyond anything we could ever hope to give. Like Paul says, I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied out of his fullness. We've received grace upon grace. That's why our message today is just this. The joy of knowing Jesus Christ supplies ultimate contentment. And motivates exceptional generosity. It's a life of joy and peace when it comes to our finances. It's joy in everything, every area of our life. I don't need to hold my 
wall it out when I get baptized. I want the joy and peace that God wants to give me when it comes to money. So we're going to conclude our service uh, today by coming to the table. And I love this. I love that we're ending this series with communion. Because communion is really a picture of our abundant life in Jesus Christ. Because of the, the body of Jesus broken, because of his blood shed, we've received forgiveness of sins. We're recipients of life. I got the life of God. I have a new relationship with God, eternal life with him. Guys, it doesn't get any better than that. It's the greatest gift of all. We're recipients of life. So we get to come today to glorify God by delighting in him. Now, the invitation to the table is specifically those who committed their life to Jesus Christ. Um, the Bible teaches us that when we come to the table, we always want to uh, confess our sins and then thank Jesus for his cross and his sacrifice. That's just, re that's just really important, how we posture ourselves in this time. So I want to invite you to take a moment on your own, one-on-one, -on -one, you and God, to express your heart to him. Say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. I'm so sorry for the ways I missed it this week. I'm so sorry for my discontent. Because I have all I need in you, Jesus. I'll give you a moment to pray. And just offer your own words to him. And then we'll take this all together. <laughs>